This is the Intentional Human Podcast, and I am your host, Adrian Cavada. And my personal life mission is to optimize the human experience one story at a time. Recording is in progress. <laughs> Got it. Oh, yeah. Well, this is episode two of the Intentional Human Podcast, and I have my friend Mark. We actually met in a coaching program we did online. Um, you're from Canada, right? That's right. Uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. So it's West Coast. Yeah, and I'm from I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. So it's different parts of the world. Oh man! Uh, just it's like the power of the internet <laughs> gets to connect with so many different people. Um, yeah, we're here. We're going to talk a little bit about limiting beliefs today, and just about uh, just a true authentic story. Um, I'll let Mark kind of just introduce himself a bit and kind of give us the framework of what we're going to talk about today. Oh, thanks, Adrian. Um, I really appreciate being here. It's a really great opportunity. Thanks so much for uh, organizing that and allowing me to come on. And uh, my name is Mark Desani. I, I go by Mark D most of the time. Uh, people who know me and don't know me call me that. I am here to tell you a little story about you know my journey from lost and dark to what's the current day status, which is uh, thriving and some days just surviving because I'm human. Um, so essentially, yeah, I, I, well, let's start with, uh, you know, what I'm passionate about. So I'm really passionate about, um, helping men specifically fathers. So I, I help men who are lost in fatherhood, who have lost their way, lost their selves and feeling trapped, walking on eggshells. And I help them uncover the skills and the experience that they already have and build a strategy for them to, turn their dad pains into father gains. I've been using that lately. And uh, oh, yeah. I do that within uh, three months, you know, um, I'm able to help a man turn around and, and all of that comes from my own personal story, which I'm excited to share about here. Um, I've been a municipal servant here in Canada for 15 years. I love uh, service. That's one of my languages of love uh, being in service. And uh, my background is essentially in coaching. I, I was a corporate trainer for about a decade, um, organizing and designing curriculum for different organizations, uh, starting back in Ontario, which is out east, um, a whole country away. Um, And just really got passionate about watching people get things, like having that moment of uh, the light switch turning on and just feeling like really like that was what really drove me. I just got like a lot of energy from that. And I just love those aha moments, <clears throat> you know, especially in the corporate world where I did most of my, my coaching and training originally, you'd be dealing with a new employee and, you know, they'd be worried about their new job, you know, whether they can be able to keep it, if they're going to be able to handle whatever it is, you know, maybe they didn't have all the skills when they started and they were kind of concerned about the, the journey. And then you're in a classroom with them and you're teaching whatever it is, you know, anything from the boring stuff of policy, which is needed uh, to a little more interesting stuff in terms of like customer service or, you know, everyday life and like what their job had in terms of stake in the company and how it affected the rest of the company. But at some point for almost every student, there'd be that moment where they went from that kind of fear place to like, Oh, I can do this. And that's what I really love. And so now I'm doing that with fathers because I know from my personal experience that, um, you know, being a new parent, not just fathers, but you know, my experiences as a father can just kind of like really get on top of you and, and just get heavy on your shoulders. It's like, um, kind of becomes a monkey on your back and there's a whole 
like slew of different things that come into play there. Everything from uncertainty, fear of the future, inability to communicate or process your emotions, new emotions you never freaking had before, you know, like just the kind of love that comes from uh, becoming a parent um, is, is unique. Um, it's not better than any other love, but it's like unique and it, it really flips the switch. So, you know, I don't want to see men lose the ability to hang on to what that does for them because other things weigh them down. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Oh yeah, bro. Yeah. I, you know, it's uh it's been a crazy journey for me because I was a single party animal essentially. So I was like in my early thirties, you know? Um, and in, in the back of my head, I always wanted a family. Like I always wanted to have kids. Like I, you know, I came from a pretty strong European background where, you know, family is sort of like the thing. And, and it just took me so long to kind of like feel like I was ready, but I realized that there's no such thing as ready, right? You work on you, you're always doing the work. And while you do that, um, you're getting more and more ready or you have more and more tools. And that's actually the important part. So, um, it wasn't until I took a sabbatical and went traveling for 18 months um, in my mid thirties. And I came back and I was like, okay, universe, I'm ready. I'm ready now. I'm finally ready. And the universe gave me one, like gave me a family, like instantly. Oh, uh, shit. It was like, I opened my heart and I was ready. I felt like I was ready. And uh, I met a woman, she had a child already and she was a single mom. We hit it off and the, you know, we met online, you know, kind of classic, uh, current story in that sense <laughs> and uh yeah the beginning of our relationship wasn't the usual for me or it wasn't usual so it felt different but i'll tell you as much personal work as i'd done myself and as much you know soul searching and experience i had you know i was already in my mid-30s at that point um having a, a child or, or even a, a woman with a child both of them to reflect differently was a whole new level of learning so that's, uh, you know, I always say that's where my real journey began, but my real journey began <laughs> back in my teens and uh, being lost and messed up as a teenager and uh, not really knowing what my direction was and hadn't really gone through the process of figuring out what I wanted in life. Mm. And I think that's probably why the, uh, the journey from then till now was uh, sort of the road less traveled in that sense. Gotcha. Well, kind of dive into that a little bit. Like, who were you before? this Mark B that's standing before us or oh, sitting yeah. before us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, we went through uh, an exercise. You've, I know you've done it well uh, as well. Mm. So I'll, I'll just tell the people listening or watching right now a little bit about it. We just did a visionary kind of uh, exercise to kind of think about Mark in my current state prior to the exercise and mark in the future state, right? So we call it 2.0 or 3.0. Or, um, and my initials are actually M-A-J-C. So M-A-J-C. Mark, Anthony, John, Christopher. And then my last name is DeSanti. So magic. That's right. So I started calling Mark 3.0 Magic D. You know, like he's magic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, 
and and it's funny because when I can step into 3.0, it actually does feel like magic, you know. And and 3.0 has to keep evolving because 3.0 is slightly ahead of you know slightly in the future of whatever this mark is. So it's like this kind of like tingly awesome sensation. Mm-hmm. But I never felt that before. Uh, I didn't have the I I had a different ability to feel it differently. I guess is how I'd say it, prior to having a child. Um, but the mark before this mark, um, he lacked the ability to receive love. That's what I would say. And, um, I lacked the ability to receive love to, to own that properly. Um, I'll, I'll use the first person. Um, and, you know, as a teenager and as a young man in his 20s, it was all ego, you know? Everything was ego. And I was doing a lot of, like, work. I, um, I always had jobs. I was fortunate. I always had jobs. I had benefits. So I would, you know, have therapy help. I definitely experimented in psychedelics. And, you know, I've seen God in many different forms and, and ways. Um, some of them uh, wholesome and some of them not. And I've uh, been through a lot of uh, crazy, crazy stories. And so that builds character, that builds experience. You learn from it. I, you know, I went to university for marketing and business mm. and uh, I didn't finish it. I, I just, the university is not, not my thing. <laughs> yeah. And actually I got, <laughs> I got voted into the student council and then I couldn't be on the student council because my grade, like the next semester, <laughs> of my grades weren't good enough. So they actually gave me a chance and then, I got to go back for a semester to kind of prove myself, but then I was on student council and all I wanted to do was like deal with the social aspects of life. Yeah. I wasn't focusing on my books and um, I got a lot of chances, you know, I've had a lot of chances in life. That's something that I really respect and have honor for. You know, I feel like I've had a guardian angel on my shoulder so many times, but while I was going to university and then all these, you know, despite having a good time and I knew I was, at fault it was my you know i owned not continuing in school i kept trying i kept trying to go back and uh, i think i went back three times and then the third time i just said okay obviously this isn't for you but just prove to yourself you know just prove to yourself you can do it you know you keep saying yeah i can do it if i wanted to but just and that and I, i held myself to the fire um and so i had one semester of like 80s plus like um courses and and then i that was it i dropped out um so that wasn't for me and uh, i started uh you know i went to look for work at that point and i was doing a whole bunch of side work and volunteer work and i was partying the rave scene was huge at that point you know uh i'm at that age where we didn't call it uh edm you know there was yeah. no e- there was no edm at that point uh each type of music had its own name and you, you better use the right name or else someone's gonna jump down your throat that's probably <laughs> where they started using the phrase edm too many fights um so yeah so you know i love dancing i love music all of my friends were djs and and musicians and artists and it's just like a really full creative life and there was a dark side of it because uh, the journey took me through drugs. So um, at first it was, it was, you know, it's a sort of classic uh, gateway story. Although I would say I don't agree with that whole analogy uh, personally, yeah. but, you know, it, it laid true for me. So, you know, messed around with some mushrooms in high school, a little bit of LSD, smoked weed. 
Um, and then, you know, got into some other stuff when I got a little bit older after, uh, deciding not to go back to school, I was, I was full force, you know, working and partying. That was like kind of my life at that point, making a lot of poor decisions. I was a pretty lost young man. And mainly because I was searching, like I was just looking externally for everything. So, you know, um, I eventually become a, became addicted. It wasn't just the, the lifestyle that was bad. It was like, I actually specifically became addicted and I was a functioning meth addict for, you know, probably three years, I'd say. Um, and we're talking like, it's my cup of coffee in the morning kind of thing, you know? Gotcha. So, um, you know, that that's a dark place. I think that's, uh, as functioning as I was. And actually, I, you know, I spoke with someone who worked with me at the call center I worked at at the time and they had no clue, you know? Um, but a lot of beauty came out of that journey uh, to this day. Uh, I have a format for myself that is my way of grounding and being connected to the, the source. Like, you know, um, I have a phrase called stigs. Uh, so I said, my friends are all like DJs and stuff. So yeah. one day I'm at the record shop that my buddy owned and I'm going, you know what, what I'm allowed to, I can swear, right? Yeah, you can swear. swear. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, do you, bro? <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I got kids. I got to ask, right? 25 cents. That's like my swearing these days. <laughs> so anyway, I'm like, why the fuck do hip hop artists get to make up words? Like, I want to make up a word, you know, like yeah. Diddy was like doing his thing, saying whatever he would, you know, Jay-Z, like he's got slang coming out of every album, you know? And I was just like, I want to make up a word. So I, I did. I just made up this word, Stigs, S-T-I-G-S. <clears throat> and uh, I, it was like uh, meant to be um, the positive version of fuck, right? So you can use fuck anywhere, right? I fucking did this. Hey, I'm fucking here. Fuck up. Well, you know, like you can. It, yeah. But Stigs, it's like, yo, Stiggy, what's up? Oh, I'm Stigging. The last night was a Stigginess party, you know, like it was like meant to be really positive. And I had about a crew of about 15, 20 people saying it at one point, you know? Oh, shit. Yeah. And then um, there's this uh, British driving show. I think it's called Something Gear. It's pretty popular. I'm not a driving guy, but I think it's called Something Gear. It's like three dudes and they talk about driving. Anyway, in season three, someone writes to me. I never watched the show, but they wrote me. They said, they stole your word. And they had, a cre- they had created a character called Stiggs. And uh, <laughs> so I felt my ego really liked that. Like it was like, yeah, the universe. You know? And he was like the coolest driver. He never showed his face. He had like sunglasses, you know, mm-hmm. dark vision visors. So he had this like persona, like you know, of, of uh, awesomeness. So feel free to use the word Stigs whenever you want. Um, <laughs> but Stigs came from um, another mantra. So I would go to work, and I'd be like this, right? I'd be twitching, you know, for those who can't see. I'd be. I, I wouldn't necessarily be exactly twitching, but I was like so high anxiety, so high in stress and inability to be aware. Like I hadn't slept sometimes for a couple of days and I just like, was like, I'm going to get fired from this job. Fuck. Like I can't, I like this job. I'm good at it. You know, I'm super good. I was like top one, two in the whole center of a hundred some people. Yeah. And three things came out of this job that were amazing uh, for a future Mark positivity. So, I um, just chill, right? I'm feeling twitchy. Just chill. Keep it real because you may or may not know drug addicts lie a lot. Um, sometimes not to everybody else, but always to themselves. So just chill, just calm down, take a breath, you know, center yourself, all those things. But at the time, it was like, it literally just meant, Mark, just chill. <laughs> like, just chill. 
And then um, keep it real. It's like, okay, what's going on in this moment? You, you don't have to be paranoid about your boss talking to you. You don't have to be, you know, telling yourself lies. Like whatever the state is, that's okay. And then the last one was coming back with fury. So it was like fire coming out of the phoenix, you know, like come, rising like a phoenix. But those three things are like really hard to say in a moment of being like completely anxiety ridden, right? Like you got to remember three things and like, get, you know. Um, and so they, it just transformed one day. And like, I was like freaking out. There was a couple people asking me for stuff and we were talking about in a, in a meeting. And I just went like this with my arms, like my hands like this. Uh, so for those who can't see, I'm putting them out kind of like in a praise you or hallelujah hands accepting a gift kind of manner and i just said out loud in front of everybody just remember and everyone's like what is he talking about but the word just came out of me and so just remember comes from my exploration days so i came to believe and i still believe to this day that we are born with universal knowledge our our souls and our minds know everything at inception everything in the entire world and as we grow older and as we come into this world from our, our mother's wombs and as we are influenced by other people and grow older and older, we forget that universal knowledge bit by bit. And I believe we're put on this planet to first remember, like help ourselves remember, like remind ourselves and to help others be reminded. So when you open your hands, you accept the message of the universe and you just say, eyes closed take a breath. You just say, just remember. And whatever comes to your mind, that's what you go with. You don't fight it. So like you're fighting with your partner. I'm going to use a, I'm going to use a troubled dad, you know, situation here. You just finished yelling at your kid and you, you, know, you shouldn't, you know, not that you should ever yell at your kid, but you didn't like what happened. Then your partner's on you for yelling at your kid, your kid's out of the room. You're like ready to go off, you know, off the hook. And, and just like, just remember. And then it might be like, you haven't eaten. That might be what came to your mind, right? You know, like I can't control myself. I can't regulate. I got to take care of me, right? So that that's just a, it might also be like this morning, your boss had a difficult conversation with you. So you might go, oh, yeah, I'm, irrit- I'm irritated, like all oh, crazy, right? Yeah. And it might just be like, hey, it's your mom's birthday next week. Like, don't forget. And then you're like, oh yeah, whatever, right? So whatever comes to mind, you got to go with it. So just remember, that's the first thing that came out of that, that, uh, that workplace. And actually, you know, the hell we're talking about this, that workplace was like a foundation for a lot of what, the Martin in front of you is. Um, so the second thing was Stiggs. So Stiggs was around that time. I took phone calls for, from construction guys who had to make requests to go get underground utilities located. So I'd be, I, I was good at my job. Like I knew how to get those guys telling me what I needed. And, you know, the calls were as short as possible. Uh, and on longer calls, I would doodle. And so I'd, you know, my tiny little cubicle, the walls weren't even, you know, tall enough to, you saw everybody else, but I had all these like graffiti style posters on the wall and one of them said Stiggs, you know, as, as big as can be you know, on a, a large piece of paper. So I was very good at the job. I started training other agents. Those agents were good at the job. The head of the organization wanted to sit with me to figure out what I was doing so I could think about it. So I worked the afternoon. She came and sat with me. Lo and behold, that one time, that one day when I'm sitting with the boss, not a single call comes in. And I'd never met her before. And, you know, I was who I was at the time and she was who she was. I was very nervous and it was kind of awkward. And I got like one call in an hour and a half. So it was like small talk. And she goes, what's that on the wall? And uh, was she pointing at the Stig's poster? And I freaked out because I was embarrassed. 
and just out of nowhere, I just went, oh, that's my, uh, that's my mantra. And I go, strength, truth, integrity, growth, stability. Oh, shit. Just like channeled right out of my mouth. And uh, she goes, oh, that's interesting. I was like, okay. So that's stuck. That has been my value system ever since. Say it again. Strength, truth, truth integrity, integrity, growth, stability. Oh, yeah. Those are my virtues. You know, I don't know if they're actually virtues, but they're my values. Yeah. And uh, whenever I get off track, I just remind myself that I have that foundation to work from. So those were the, the top two. I don't know. I've been talking a lot. You have any thoughts? <laughs> oh man, that was that was cool, man. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Definitely the uh, just remember. I just did. I did it while while you were talking about it, and the thing that came up to me was like, "Be free." Like immediately, just said, "Be free." Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, dude, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that. <laughs> That's like a really it's good. It's tool. not stealing. It's it's for everybody. It's the universe. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Uh, I am curious though, like what moment in that journey of no, like dealing with your addiction and having these other things that's happening in your life. Like when did you, well, not, not when, but what moment did you just choose? Like, I want to live differently. Like what mm. was that intentional choice that you made? Oh, unfortunately that day came much later than where I'm at at the story. Um, yeah, you know, um, I think I always knew I wanted to live different. What made me actually change was, was having a child. So I, I got off meth. I was a very active, functional, hard, large using meth addict for two to three years. Got off of that. I was still doing ecstasy sometimes, some other, some other recreational drugs and, and cocaine. And I thought cocaine would never have a hold on me, but that's how I always felt. Um, but technically speaking, um, the, the mental hold it had on me never really released until my responsibilities changed. So I was only ever responsible for myself. Um, and I can remember the last night I used cocaine and uh, someone who... Um, was an acquaintance, didn't know me very well, but we had a kind of a tight male bond. Mm. He just said uh, at one point when it was appropriate, <laughs> like when it would not, I don't want to say sting, but stick the most. He just said, remember there's a kid involved now. And uh, I, I wasn't even exclusive uh, with my partner at that point. We were still kind of like, I hadn't met her child or anything that. Um, well, maybe I had met him, but but the point was we weren't even necessarily uh, exclusive at that point, but it just yeah. shifted my paradigm. And I realized at that point, like, I didn't want to be that person anymore. Even if I didn't stay with this woman with a child, I kept telling myself I was ready for family, but obviously I wasn't, and that was the case, mm -hmm. right? So I'd say it's, that was probably the moment. Gotcha. Yeah. Now that's about drug addiction. Now, if you want to talk about having a passion for for my for my business or for the work i'm doing that's been an evolution and i don't know if i could pinpoint one moment but um there was a night where uh so i have a stepson who's 10 now and uh my biological son is five um and uh, my stepson's 
an amazing child, like just such a great reflection. He's got such a strong personality, which is really good for me. Um, and, and he always has accepted me, you know, like, you know, that looks different in different phases of our relationship, but he's always accepted me and, and we have a amazing bond. And he was the trigger that I just told you about, right? Like there's a child involved now. And the second trigger was my biological son was born and it wasn't even the first time I held him or watching him be born in our living room in a pool, you know, or, you know, watching my stepson hold him. you know, there's all these beautiful, amazing moments we have, but it was this one night, uh, you know, we had a rotation so my wife can make sure she gets sleep in like a, during the week, she'd stay up with the baby. And then Thursday through Sunday, I would, so she could catch up and I didn't have to go to work the next day. So it worked. And I remember the second night I was on my own. The first night was a little different. I think we both fell asleep pretty easy. And that was it. The second night and we had a really easy baby. I always feel bad talking to other parents. Cause like that baby was easy, <laughs> like compared to what I hear, but that second night just would not sleep. And I didn't know what was okay. Like I, I didn't want to wake up my wife and go, can I do this? Can I? Like, I was like a brand new dad, no training, no nothing. There was like a, a class we took and it was like, um, can I, I didn't even know if I could let the baby fall asleep on my chest while I was on the couch. Like, would that be safe? Like, you know? Um, yeah. I remember I built this like pillow fortress, but before the pillow fortress earlier in the night, I'm holding the baby and I'm dancing and I'm just swaying and I, I can't sing. I'm, out, I'm, I'm tone deaf, but I'm singing to the baby and I just, there was this thing, something clicked about how that baby absolutely needed me. Mm-hmm. And uh, my heart opened up to love more than it ever had in the past. The fire was lit inside of me, you know, for being better. Like, I just want to be better. I just want to keep being better for both my kids and my partner and myself, obviously, because that's the, the standard. So that would be the second moment, I think. Gotcha. Okay. So these moments happen, you get triggered into, um, I guess, a new reality, kind of being pulled or called to do something. And yeah, and at that moment, like, what was that process like that? I guess a lot of people call it like a healing journey or like a self-discovery, self-exploration. Um, what was that like for you? Like what like, transpired from those moments? <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot of stumbling. <laughs> So, um, yeah, you know, um, I think the thing is like every moment's growth, right? So my partner, and I, uh, we, we moved in together within like three months of knowing each other. Um, you know, she had a kid, I was almost instant dad. She was in school at the time. And, and, you know, so there was like some really quick growth and, and actually, I really like your question for this reason, because it, I think I did pretty good from meeting my elder Phoenix to, to Gus being born because I was like in the zone. Like it was sort of like, for whatever reason, I didn't feel pressure. Yeah. And then there was that moment I just told you about where that baby relies on me. Um, and not to say I wasn't showing up before the baby was there, I was showing up. In fact, I think I was showing up better because when I had that realization, I, I actually started to get weighed down by, by this pressure, this unheard pressure. And um, I don't use this phrase because I don't, I don't like the um, potential ramifications of, of this label, but 
you know, angry dads, right? We talk about angry dads. I, I think I think of Homer Simpson saying, well, you little, like, you know, choking on Bart Simpson when I hear angry dads. I think there was a skit even on the Simpsons. Um, but but I, I work with men who are lost in fatherhood. So I stopped hanging out with my, my, my buddies. I started hanging with all my friends. Um, I thought that's what I had to do. I didn't even know how to manage time so that I could hang out with them. I didn't know, I didn't have a clear division of what my boundaries were or what my relationship responsibilities were in terms of how much I need to be around. Um, and, and that was all my inability to communicate properly, ask questions, figure out, just even discuss it. Uh, I just kind of bared down and did what I thought I needed to do without talking about it with anyone. Right. And I think that that's, I think that's the seed of anger dads. Um, because that's the beginning of the journey where you don't release the first thing you need to get off your chest. You need, it's that uncertainty of what is, what is it? Like, I think I understand what I'm responsible for, whether it's the bills or, you know, making sure my kids, uh, you know, are disciplined. I, I don't mean like punished. I mean, like having discipline um, and, or, you know, what did my European father do? You know, what did his dad yeah. do? Kind of thing. So it was just sort of my, what I thought I knew, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And so that slowly became more and more weight on my shoulders. And I think that's the, the, I think that's my answer to your question is what was it, you know, what was that journey? Like it was full of weight and heaviness and um, pain, like unspoken mm-hmm. pain. Uh, I called it that the dad rut, right? You, you lose yourself. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, as I said, I was a single party animal right up until I met my uh, partner. And so uh, that's not to say I didn't have other partners, but there was nothing in that sense of uh, responsibility and whatnot. So that evolution or transformation was pain. It was full pain because I, I didn't have anyone to reach out to. Um, I didn't feel like I had someone to reach out to. I had friends I could talk to kind of thing, but I wasn't seeing mm-hmm. as much. And probably when I did, I wasn't pleasant, <laughs> um, you know? So I would say that's my initial answer to your question is it was full of a lot of, uh, a lot of pain and darkness. Now that doesn't take away from all the joys, right? Like having a child, having a family. And I think sometimes that is the supplemented aspect for the pain you're feeling as a father. So for me, that's what I really want to express to, to dads out there who are, are listening is if you're feeling like you're, you know, you don't have a way out in terms of figuring out what you need to do or don't have the tools, or if you feel like you're working at, walking on eggshells, uh, like really explore communication because if you can talk about what, what's happening for you and you have the ability to connect with yourself then you're going to connect with everybody else. And that, and then you don't have to rely on the connection of I bring in the money or I, you know, whatever the label you've given yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And you're able to rely on the connections you have versus the uh, template you've put yourself in or the archetype you've put yourself in. Does that answer your question? I yeah, I think, <laughs> I think so. Uh, I do have a second part to that. Yeah. So like you have all this weight, you have this, I guess it's kind of like a growing pressure over time because you're realizing your responsibility as a man, as a father now. And, you know, like I have a background in exercise science. So I'm exercise scientist, you know, you know, I'm all about wellness. I've done social work. I've done a lot of like this, this work in terms of working with families, working 
you know, on the individual themselves, both on a mental, physical, and a spiritual level. Right. And I think it always boils down to like, how do we either overcome this resistance that either we put onto ourselves or whatever's been given to us by the universe? And I'm just curious, like, how did you either overcome or just gain strength to even carry that resistance further along mm. the path? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very good point, Adrian. Um, I mean, just a great, great way to position that experience. I, uh, I definitely leaned on my, my, my past experiences. Like I, I went through a lot of crazy stuff. Like there's some pretty mm-hmm. interesting stories that are, some of them are pretty scary. Um, so a lot of things, like whatever I was going through, um, and, and this is another symptom of angry dads. So, and I want to be clear, angry dads don't mean they're yelling. You know, they don't need to be yelling to be angry dads or they don't need to be scolding their kids or fighting with their wife to be angry. Angry dads can just really be disconnected or quiet or grunting, disgruntled, you know, don't know how to respond to the cues that their partner gives them. Like there's so many facets of angry dads. So I hope everybody can recognize that I don't mean actual anger. And that's why I stopped using the phrase, but it's hard not to go back to it. Because I think that we can all relate to that archetype, whether it was a friend's dad we saw or, you know, like, even just the guy working behind the counter, you kind of go, oh, whatever that guy's got kids, he looks tired, you know, like, um, you know, with no judgment, just the observation. Yeah. Um, I think I probably heard that myself. So, <laughs> um, you know, the, the symptom is uh, just weight it, just bear the weight. I'm, that is what a man does. And so the last part was, how did you get so far with it? And that was it. I just, I just bared it. Right. Mm. Um, carried it on my shoulders dragged like an ox, you know, through the plow fields. And it, it wasn't until I recognized that that was affecting my relationships, both my kids and my wife, because I wasn't showing up as, uh, you know, I, I, I transformed into Mark 2.0, the middle Mark between what you see here and who was the beginning of the story. And on the way there, I lost all the good parts of the original Mark, you know, of, of the pure fun, loving party Mark. I mean, not everything about pure love, fun, loving party Mark is bad, you know, um, let's party. <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, like I have a dance party with my kids on a regular basis, you know, I, oh, I love yeah. dancing. Right. So that's just one aspect, but, um, uh, I, I like, you know, um, that was, that was what, it happened. And then my wife and I, you know, we did therapy for a little while. I kind of, it's, I did lots of solo therapy. Uh, I, I've been part of men's groups for a decade now. Like um, I even ran one myself for a short while. And, you know, I, I really feel like uh, bearing witness to other men is a great way to lift that burden. Um, men, and often this is the challenge in our relationships with women, like to solve things, right? Like we have to come up, come up with solutions um, For real. but that's right. Right. Yeah. I, I know I'm not making that one up. And, and what we don't always realize with our partners is they just want to be heard. Sometimes they don't want a solution. Uh, in fact, I think everybody feels better when they come up with their own solutions. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there might be a man or two out there and probably, I know for sure, like there's been so many times I look at my kid and I go, your mom was right again. And he's like, Oh, are we going to tell her? I go, of course we're going to tell her. <laughs> Where'd you get that? Uh, and then I go, you know, so I know in this, in the opposite direction, you know, you have a talk, your, your partner's talking about a challenge. 
And then you go, well, maybe you can do this. And and it looks like it doesn't even go in an ear. It just like, yeah. and in fact, if you try to tell it, tell the same solution again, it might even cause a little bit of a friction or fighter spot. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks later, you know, Hey, this thing worked out. I did this. And it was the thing you suggested. Right. So, uh, and, and that's not isolated, as I said, for men to women, it goes both ways. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't think men always recognize that sometimes just being heard is all we need. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's my biggest challenge as a, as a coach for dads, you know, I'm so used to witnessing men um, and I feel like I'm always going to hold that space for witnessing. Now, you know, this being in the nutrition industry, it's one thing to know what nutrition to eat or what workout to do to get healthy physically. It's another thing to actually do it. And that's yeah. um, implementation is why people need uh, guidance and coaching and mentorship. And, and that's the biggest part. So for me, uh, the, the way that I got and got out of it was to find responsible ways to be witnessed until I came up with my own solutions. Um, and the challenge with getting from bearing the, bearing the burden or carrying the burden to opening your heart and mind and, and being open to love again and loving yourself and feeling the worth and having the right things to say to your partner in those times of t- you know, tumultuous conversation, the difference between those two is, is having the bridge and being able to speak the words to get you there. Cause I, I start here. I'm, I'm bearing the burden and my, my partner asked me for an opinion. I grunt, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm either afraid of the outcomes of what I say, or I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing, or I don't even know how I feel. Cause I had, don't have the ability to process that. Yeah. And so I developed those three pieces, right? So through connection, communication, and collaboration, I allow a man to open up into the bridge. And so that's, that's my journey. That's how I got there. Um, and two things really helping with that working on self, uh, image, self-esteem, self-confidence, self-love. That's the number one foundation. I think, um, when I look back and you know, I said at the beginning of the story, like I was just a young man who didn't have the ability to receive love. Not only did I not have the ability, I was like searching validation constantly, mm-hmm. right? Like, picking up ladies, you know, brag, being a braggart, you know, like ego, ego. Like I love partying because I am hilarious at a party. Everybody's sitting around laughing. I'm like living it up, feeling great about it. And that's all just up here. Right. But yeah. what hits here is when you make a tight connection, you know, I think about the two differences, like everybody wanted to be at the pre-party with Mark, but what Mark loved was during the party at the back of the room, when you're taking a breather, having a bottle of water and you connect with a stranger. Cause they're like, Hey, like, I like that move and you talk about their move and, and then like, and then you get into a conversation and it's not even a romantic connection. It's just like, I met the stranger and we, you know, we touched each other by talking and connecting. And mm. so I know I had that. Right. But I'd lost those connections through my bearing of the burden. And that's what I think is most important is that we, we find ways to release that. So it takes the right tools. It takes the right experience. Most, most humans have that within them because that's part of the universal knowledge, but Uncovering yeah. it and putting it together as a strategy is a whole different story. Gotcha. Okay, so that kind of brings us to kind of like present mark, right? Like you're you're doing this work currently. I know that uh, when we're both still building our coaching practices and our clientele and stuff like that. Um, so, like, how are you applying and implementing pretty much the skill set that you developed over time, like now to this present mark, mark three Oh yeah. 
it's a practice. I mean, uh, I, I apply it daily. Um, two, two things that I focus on are self-practice, like so my self-care, physical, mental well-beings. Um, and then uh, I constantly remind myself of the reason I'm doing this. So one thing uh, I was, I had the blinders on about when I was kind of starting this journey was where in my life I wasn't open, right? I'm pretty self-aware. Like when you, when you do as many psychedelic drugs as I do, you know, you, you can't really be too closed off. I mean, unless you're kind of like to the point where you just reversed. Um, but that in itself is a blessing and a curse. If you're not taking action, it's an absolute curse because it just burns on you till you're depressed out of your mind. And uh, it's a blessing because it opens your eyes, but you got to take action. So yeah. there were so many places uh, I was aware of in my life where um, I could do the work, you know, I could, uh, I developed my leadership aspect, right? And that's why, that's why I actually did coaching there first because self-leadership really, I was drawn to that. And when I was doing leadership coaching, I loved watching young leaders learn how to navigate up. And I always connected it back to my navigation with my partner because, you know, um, we put labels on each other and it's like, I'm talking to the boss in, in a way. So for me, I practice self-love so that I can stand next to my partner. And if we're standing next to each other, we're collaborating. And so that's what I'm constantly working towards because I'm not saying she's the boss. She doesn't try to be the boss. But when I don't feel connected, my out output is control. I try to control. So then we're not equal because I'm controlling. Or if I'm uh, searching for validation, then she's, you know, she's the upper hand. I'm not saying she's trying to get the upper hand, but that's the way. So that positioning in relationship completely is my focus in terms of how to practice. So I have to be at one with myself to do that. And then that plays out with my kids as well, right? So there's a difference between authoritarian parenting and authoritative parenting. Uh, authoritative is like, do this or else. Authoritarian is, I love you, and this isn't acceptable. Here's some other um, manners of going about this. And when I'm not connected, I'm authoritative and I'm totally angry dad, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I've come a long way. I mean, I don't see those moments very often these days, but um, I would say the first year or two years of my biological son being born i always you know talk to my uh stepson and say i apologize you know you were the guinea pig like i didn't you know i didn't have my shit together i sometimes i'll hear him talking to my younger kid and he'll say something and i'll be like those are my <laughs> words those are that's my voice and those are my words and i'll go okay come here buddy listen i taught you that we both got to unlearn it you know let's, yeah let's, let's do this differently let's let's have some love for our family kind of thing um so you know it's it it's about that. It's about self-love. It's about constant practice to be connected. And the third thing I would say is forgiving and being easy on yourself for those moments. So, because it doesn't help to add burden, right? Every time you feel guilty yeah. or shame, you're adding more burden to the, to the cycle. So. Sweet. Hi, Emma. Appreciate that. Yeah. It's, um, some, no, I'm, I'm pretty young myself. I'm 26. So, and I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a young buck. <laughs> yeah, good one on you, man. You're you're doing such good stuff, man. I I admire you so much. I you got a creative flow like nobody, and and you're just inspiring. So that's amazing, man. I appreciate it, dude. Um, it's definitely definitely been one hell of a journey. Um, 
Because I'm in a similar situation, actually, because my girlfriend has has two kids. And and, uh, I went from having no kids and not really having any intention to be a quote unquote, a father, yeah. um, kind of like overnight, like, Oh damn, like we're going to move in or already moved in. Like, her kids in gonna, yeah. Her kids are coming tomorrow and yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be one. Yeah. Thank you, dude. It's one hell of a journey. Like I already have a bunch of ideas. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited, but at the same time, like, it's also kind of scary. Like, like I'm, I'm going to be a, quote unquote father figure but yeah. like not saying like their current father isn't going to be in the picture or anything like that but no. since they're going to be in this environment like oh, I'm no here denying. to support them yeah like I'm here to support them and it's definitely a bit of a mind fuck because again like I'm going from having no true intentions to even have children to having two a three and a ten year old so oh it's, good, uh, years, yeah. good years uh, <laughs> I can help you with both of those years if you ever want to let me know <laughs> I'll hit you up Okay, so like, hey, listen, you, I've done all the talking here and I appreciate your patience and hearing my stories. Uh, let me ask you, like, if you Go don't mind, it. what's like, what is the biggest, what's your biggest uh, projected challenge or fear, whatever you want to call it? Like, what's the thing that you're you're wondering about? I think it's adjusting to change, but um, I'm more focused on the older kid okay. of how she's going to adjust to everything. Okay. Because she's a bit more aware. She's, uh, she's smart. You know, like just as like a natural like sense of intelligence. Oh, and they still do, yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I already bonded really well with the younger one. She she literally calls me my Adrian. Like she's all excited when like she always refers to me. Like thinks she loves me more than my girlfriend. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and um, yeah, the older one like. Cause I worked with children before, like I said earlier, like I, I've been, you know, in social work, I've you know, been a behavioral coach for autistic children. So I, I, I understand children, you know, I know how to really communicate with them, but it's a little bit different when you're in this position. Like before I was just like, I'm here to enter the house, work with them for a couple hours and I bounce. Now it's just like, we're living together. We're interchanging like our, like, I guess our knowledge of the world. So, and yeah, I think, kind of stems into like my own uh, upbringing too. Like I want to make sure like I don't fuck up like anything. Like I want to make sure I do the best I can to be a positive male figure as well as just not being a father figure. I want to be more of like, I'm here to support you. I don't want to take on the role necessarily as a father, but more like I am a positive male role model. I'm going to teach you some stuff like gardening, how to like kind of just take care of your life. Like, that's what my dad did for my sisters because yeah. my two older my two older sisters are not my dad's biological children. Oh. So, so and my dad when he had me was Can about my sense? age. Yeah, so like I'm I'm in his shoes pretty <laughs> much. And the funny thing is, they're the same age gap, like of my two older sisters. Shit, man. So it's, it, so it's, funny it's a the world brings like that cycle. Yeah, yeah it's a trip, dude. Oh, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm here, you know, oh, and. And I, I've learned a lot from my own like father, like in terms of like his way of thinking what a man should do and and his way of parenting. But you know, it is a new time and a new age and new everything, right? Especially with society and all that type of thing. So that's kind of like where I'm at. Like, how do I go about like this new role that I've taken on pretty much? Yeah. Awesome. I hey, kudos for you to even be thinking the way you're thinking. Like, um, what I'm not hearing is like overwhelm you know like you have points of concern you're thinking about stuff and like you're not even concerned but just like uh, things you realize you got to review right mm. that's awesome man 
Um, uh, really great book. I've, I don't know if I want to give advice. I'm not going to give any of my own advice, but I, I read a book recently, which I wish I'd read six years ago mm. when I met my partner. It's called Surviving and Thriving in Step Families. Um, mm, send it over. Send it to you. It's a little uh, dated. Like I think it, like I think the studies all ended in 2005 or something like that, but it's so interesting because it, she, I think it's for therapists. So if you've done social work and something like that, it'll really have like a good uh, construct for you. But she doesn't just say like, Hey, stepmoms are different or stepdads are different than regular, you know, than yeah. usual dads or whatever the, the, the word she uses. It's appropriate. Um, she then goes, this is how, and this is what to do about it. And these are the possible outcomes. And these are the results. These are the responses. Like, it's just like such a handbook in that sense. Um, and, uh, you know, she does a really good job of uh, alliterating how they're different, you know, like in, in primary relationships where it's original mother and father, every relationship book says focus on the, the, the mother, like the parent relationship, like that relationship is the most important, but in step families, they actually pose that it's not. And there's ways to do, there's like kind of, uh, transitions between relationships and how to do step, stepfather relationships. And how to, so, yeah, just amazing book, man. Just, it's a great read anyway, just cause it's curious. Yeah. It follows 13 different families. Um, and what I was gonna say is knowing you, what I know about you, you've already got all the things in check. It's like about your life, right? Like I came in, like, oh, I got to fix, like not fix, but I got to like take charge of the family and make sure things go. Okay. Like, Whereas you're already saying, like, I'm going to teach you some stuff in life and like do these things. So that's the right, right mind frame. Absolutely, man. So don't lose any of the Adrian. That's awesome. You know, like from the, <laughs> that's my only advice for you. Yeah. Thanks dude. That's awesome. Cool, man. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I appreciate you for sharing, dude. Um, definitely insightful, definitely kind of eye opening on some things, some new skills. Just remember. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. Um, anything else you want to share before we wrap up? No, not at all. I appreciate you having me on here. Um, you know, I, uh, I just How can I get in contact with you? Oh yeah. Well, okay, great. Thanks. Uh, if you want to post, I think I sent you a link you can post on the, the uh, podcast here, but you can just add me on Facebook. Uh, it's me, Mark D M E M A R K D E E. Um, to uh follow me on facebook and that's probably the best place to find me uh i'm either mark d m-a-r-k-d-e on every social platform and if i couldn't get that it's me mark d because i started <laughs> on my videos saying hey it's me mark d uh, <laughs> there we go so it's just practical uh i don't have a website or anything like that i i haven't found a need in one really and uh i've got a bio link that i think i gave you some yeah mark mark at being fully.ca I, I have an assessment that i do for people that absolutely opens eyes to which parts of your consciousness you're closed off to. So we divide uh, yeah. the way you show up. So, you know, the B do have, uh, it actually an yeah. analyzes your state of being and where you're at and gives uh, open analysis to the gaps. And that's where I build the coaching foundations from because um, there's four different values for fathers and they happen to fall right in line with this assessment that I'm a certified coach for. So then we uh, put in place uh, some strategies, how to, Build on those. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, dude. Yeah. Any last words? That's it. Thanks for speaking with me. Thanks to everybody listening and we appreciate the time and respect. Love to all. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being on. Thank you for joining in on today's episode. If you enjoyed this, remember to like, share, and subscribe, and I'll see you on the next one.
They be saying I have my head in the clouds because I don't share the same views. I say just look up and see the beauty all around you and you'll see the same truth.